Critics of the Turkish government say that this referendum of April 16 was neither free nor fair. And the Supreme Election board members voted against appeals from the two main opposition parties. One of them you mentioned, the People's Democratic Party, HDP. The other one, the Republican People's Party, uh, CHP. Both of them had lodged formal complaints calling for the annulment of the results, citing a last-minute decision to accept possibly hundreds of thousands of unstamped ballots without the official seals. This is severe. I mean, given the victory margins that AKP had in this referendum, this could have tipped the election results in favor of the opposition. Oh, yes, definitely. We're talking about 1.5 million unstamped ballots here. And most importantly, this decision by the electoral board came around, I believe, 4.30 p.m. or something. So it was right about when the ballot boxes were about to close down. And that's what makes it very, very suspicious. I mean, you don't change the rules of the game in the middle of an election, not even in the middle when you get close to the closing of the ballot boxes. Basically, this is, in fact, something that makes this whole decision very, very suspicious. Also, the fact that the electoral board itself has been purged by Erdogan previously in the last few months. A lot of the judges, along with you know prosecutors, policemen, all sorts of high-ranking officials, have lost their jobs, have been purged by emergency decrees, and are basically on the risk of being prosecuted by the regime as Gulenists, as terrorists, or as coup plotters, or whatnot. So basically, under these circumstances, it's not rational to expect these high-ranking judges to be objective and to basically come to a decision which would go against the will of the president. And also, the decisions of this board cannot be brought to court. That's another important point. So think about, for example, the Bush versus Gore debate. There is no recount. If the board says no recount, it's no recount. Most importantly, I think, is the position of the Republican People's Party, the leader of which basically was very shy in his opposition to this decision, if I may say. This is the CHP, and it's, they, they actually filed an appeal, but you're saying they were bashful about it. Yes. I mean, they cannot be supportive of this decision, or uh, they cannot take it as it is without voicing any opposition, because obviously their electorate and their activists rank and file would basically rebel against the leadership. But if you look at the leadership of the Republican People's Party, what they're trying to do is basically demobilize their activists, demobilize their rank and file, and basically try to get people off the street, off the protests, by basically telling them that in the next elections, 2019, they will have a chance for uh, the presidency and they, they will go from home to home. They will work for these elections and they will win the elections. And this is basically completely just a tactic to demobilize their constituency. And also a vote was taken in Strasbourg, the Council of Europe, basically, about a report on Turkey's human rights issues. Here, the Republican People's Party together with the incumbent AKP and the ultra-nationalist MHP, 
voted no for this report in the council, which also shows us that practically they already started cooperating with the AKP. So they condemn this report by the uh, Europe's Council. This just happened earlier this week. It looks like the governing AKP, Justice and Development Party, had to rely on parliamentary votes from the far-right MHP to lead the country to a referendum. Can you talk about that? And also, the margin of victory for the yes vote in this referendum, it was slim, and the percentage of yes voters, it was only 51.3%, and this was much lower than the two parties' combined share of the votes, which was 62% in the last general election in November 2015. That was only five months ago. What does that tell us in terms of the base for these two parties? Let's start with the MHP. Over the last two years, there has been a growing discontent with MHP leadership under Devlet Bahçeli. Actually, the inner party opposition came very close to force the party for another convention and basically vote the incumbent leadership out. But the court system under Erdogan's orders basically prevented this convention. So enabling Dele Bahçeli to stay in powers in the party. And it turns out that this tactic actually didn't work for elections. In other words, the rank and file of MHP are not agreeing with its leadership. This is a far-right party, yes, to be clear. this is a far-right party. When we talk about the MHP, we should talk about its roots, basically, in the 70s. So MHP was basically a smaller party in its roots, and then it was taken over by Colonel Turkesh, who was basically one of the leading figures in the coup of May 1960. And it was a sort of ultra-nationalist party from the get-go. Turkish, the sort of the founding figure of ultra-right, comes from Cyprus. So obviously very much involved in the counterinsurgency movement in Cyprus, the Turkish revenge platoon. And also throughout the 70s, they have been working with elements of intelligence, secret police, what's in Turkey called Kontgerilla, basically, counterinsurgency institutions. So they have been acting as the paramilitary force for the deep state, especially against trade unions, socialists, students' movements, and so on and so forth. They've been engaging in armed attacks against the left. After the coup, they've been closed down. Once they reopened, they again functioned as a paramilitary force for the state. Of course, during the 80s and 90s, since communism was now over as a threat, uh, the main point was became the Kurdish issue. And throughout the 90s, after the founding figure Turkish passed away, the party was taken over by Devlet Bahçeli, the present leader right now. And Devlet Bahçeli in the 90s was highly praised by mainstream media, by liberals, by center-left and by center-right, as a leader which is basically holding the leash of its rank and file, which meant basically instead of joining the mafia, instead of hunting leftists with guns and stuff, these people would now engage in sort of, you know, politics, civilian politics. So it was in this sense a reformed 
MHP, or that's what we have been told by uh, mainstream media. But they still were engaging in street mobilization, especially in funerals of soldiers coming from the Kurdish region. So apart from the Kurdish question, right now the MHP has basically no rationale to exist. That's their only point. They don't have any social, any economic program. They don't really have a program for policy. Their basically hallmark is the Kurdish issue and Turkish nationalism. And in this sense, of course, this is important, I think, to understand why uh, Devlet Bahçeli would go down that road, meaning into an alliance with Erdogan. I think his main goal is basically not to win the elections, but win power over the state apparatus by allying himself with Erdogan. Basically, in return for his alliance with Erdogan, he will get his men appointed to higher echelons of the state bureaucracy. So, I mean, we cannot look at MHP as an ordinary electoral party. It's much more a extended state apparatus. And it is basically changing its shape and form according to the needs of the deep state and how it wants to reach out to society and wants to create a social base for its policies. And it's in this sense... I think it's obvious that the MHP leadership right now it's losing its base. However, the opposition leaders within MHP, Meral Akshana, is also now she's being praised by center left and center right as a new Devlet Bahçeli, basically a more civilized face for MHP. Uh, this is important because the opposition figure within the MHP, Meral Akshana, is being presented as a more sort of acceptable figure, much more, if you look at her conferences, for example, or talks, she's talking about rule of law, she's talking about the constitution, human rights, and stuff like that. So basically, she's giving an image of a transformation within MHP from a more militaristic to a less militaristic and a more low-bound party. The problem is that uh, this figure also, Meral Akshener, that is, she also served as a minister of the interior in the 1990s, when the deep state was getting involved in all sorts of illegal crimes within Turkey, killing businessmen, getting involved in mafia networks, and launching a huge warfare, both psychologically and physical warfare against the Kurds and the population at large. So she's not a very democratic figure, but at this point, she looks like she can crack this kind of coalition between the MHP and the AKP.